the 250, the podcast where we're obnoxious. I'm Jonathan, and with me as always is my co-host, Douglas. How are you, Douglas? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, thank you. It's, a, it's another day here on the 250. Uh, we didn't actually have to state that we're obnoxious. Everyone already knows. <laughs> if this is your first time tuning into the 250, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and we've begun watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, our thoughts, and our reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 171, Finding Nemo. We're the podcast to listen to when there are no other podcasts that have released any new content. That's it. Nemo and his father, Marlon, share a very sheltered and cautious life in the Great Barrier Reef. When Nemo is suddenly whisked away from his abode, it's up to a forgetful blue tang named Dory and Marlon to venture through the ocean and bring him home. Finding Nemo was directed by Andrew Stanton of Wally, Finding Dory, and, well, I mean, that's a given, yeah. and John Carter fame. And it was written by Andrew Stanton, Bob Peterson, and David Reynolds. I just realized we haven't been putting in these, like, what they're known for things. Yeah, in. I re-listened to, like, one of the older episodes, and I realized that that was a thing that, like, I would always do. And for some reason, I just fucking forgot to do it. So I'm, I'm getting back into the swing of doing that. So sorry about that. It's nice. This dude did Wally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is in the list. It's, like, a that's fair ways up the list. It? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, good movie. Douglas and I have both watched this film before. I assume in our adolescence, like the both of us, right? In our childhood. Yeah. I watched this film in theatres when I was oh, eight. Oh, big bitch in it. I watched it on VHS. <laughs> when I was eight years of age. <laughs> wow. So you've probably watched it more than me, but I yes. I probably watched it at the most... Well, actually, you, I mean, if you're the VHS, you probably ended up getting it in 2004, four. Three or four. Yeah. Yep. So, it's about the same thing. Yep. Uh, did it have an effect on you, Douglas? I'll tell you what, I haven't watched Finding Nemo in probably ranging on somewhere like a decade. Mm. And I don't know why, but you know how there's just some films and things where, like, the cadence and the tonality of how people deliver their lines kind of sticks in your head forever? Mm-hmm. Finding Nemo has that for me. Like, there are just certain lines and things that people say, and, like, it hits, like, as they're starting the line... I'm already, like, exactly with the tonality in my own head of what, like, they're saying it as. There's one of the sharks, and he's like, Oh, dolphins! Look at me flipping! I'm a flipping little dolphin! Like, that line. I I heard that, like, in my head as he was saying it, and I was like, wow, I really did watch this movie, like, a lot as a kid. Actually, that, that's a good point. The comparison, I think I've talked about Mortal Kombat before, the new, most recent Mortal Kombat, and how I thought that was excellent realistic australian representation oh yeah that's right and how this film i forget about that if you can say a negative thing about finding nemo it's that they fucked up the australians in finding nemo hey uh they sure did (laughs) i don't i don't mind like the they've got some pretty good like high quality australian actors on board i think but i would have liked to have had Australian leads, I think. Oh, that, I mean, I think that's fine. But the know. sharks are not Australian. Yeah, they are. No, they're not. It's Barry Humphreys. They are. <laughs> what the fuck? Why are they making him amb- Okay, I must be thinking about a different film then. Oh, God, that's very embarrassing. Yeah, it's Barry Humphreys as Bruce. Eric Banner as anchor. Oh wow! I'm, John, I'm these are the most, and it's Bruce Spencer's no, chump. These I are don't, like I don't know, no, no, I don't want to hear it, Douglas. I've already oh, made my God, Jonathan. Oh, <laughs> uh, why do they make them sound like that? They don't sound because like- because I bet whoever was like the voice director was like really mm. like ham up 
the Aussiness, right? Like really make it like Queensland Aussie <laughs> accent. You know what I mean? Is this like when they um they bring in black people on something and they go, "Can you make it sound more urban?" <laughs> it's the same Maybe. thing. Like, yeah. Can yeah. you can you sound more like a stereotype? It was hmm. really yeah, okay. It's a stereotype. It's a stereotype. That was my one fun fact that was not true. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm starting the episode with negative points. So yeah. good job, Jonathan. Yeah. Um, and Eric fucking Banner. Un- Look, I can't Douglas, believe you. No. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing you under the bus. Um, yeah. What I can say is the animation. What do you? What do you? Where do you stand with the animation? Uh, nearing on two decades on from the film releasing, how do you think the animation stands up? I think rendering. Which is a very distinct thing with 3D. A distinct part of the process, yeah. Like, 2D animation, generally, like, even if it's quite old, it, it, it's generally a very manual, there's less digital involved in it. So, when yep. it looks a bit, you know, kind of off by modern standards, that's kind of less of an issue. Mm. Whereas, you know, things like, I don't know, Toy Story, you compare it to modern rendering and... I think the technology isn't that different because I think they were still using ray traced graphics for yeah. that stuff. Maybe not for Toy Story. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. the rendering has holes, right? Yeah. But I think the animation is mostly pretty good. Pretty exquisite, in my opinion. Yeah, I really liked it. The one bit in rendering that blew my mind, I remember watching uh, behind the scenes on this, is the jellyfish. Yeah. Yeah. They created a, a shader for it. That was pushing the limitations of the technology back in 2000 2003 2002 mm. 2000 whenever it was whenever they were making it and and that still holds up actually mm. i that was one of those things where i was like everything you know everything looks a bit too smooth and a bit too shiny there's a scene that really and this is so fucking nitpicky and unnecessary but the scene that really i was like ah this looks a bit old is when they are marlin and dory are in nigel the pelican's mouth mm. why is it that we do a normal film and I can't remember anyone's name, but I'm like, Pelican. <laughs> Nigel. Nigel. <laughs> when they're in his mouth and they're kind of like leaning over the front with their fins and there's drops of water like on the beak and they're mm. like very clearly just textures stuck on top of it. Stuff like that. But that is truly. You're really leaning in for that. Yeah. Rendering aside, you know, because mm. that, that is something that is heavily, you know, limited by the technology of the age. The animation is. Yeah, I think not too bad. I really was... Do you know another prolific Australian actor who voiced Nigel, Jonathan? No. Stop, Douglas. It was Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> <sighs> it was the sharks that were really... That really, that really got you, yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. sounds wrong. Yeah, that's fine. Um, uh, I, f- I forgot Willem Dafoe was in this, I will say that. When Willem Dafoe popped up, I, I was like, who does Willem Dafoe play? And then... When he pops up, I'm like, oh, yes, it makes sense now. Like, my kid brain had no idea who Willem Dafoe fucking was. So, I, I saw him on the cast list. I was like, who the fuck? But yeah, it was really good. He plays a very good character. Mm. A lot of people don't, I mean, like, this is, I guess, kind of spoilerish, but, like, it's fucking Finding Nemo. Like, Be careful, Douglas. Careful. A lot of people don't really care for the tank gang a lot. What? Yeah, I've heard, I've heard criticisms of the tank gang. Which I think are a bit a bit unfounded in my personal opinion because I think they're a lot of fun. They all play obviously into their little idiosyncrasies and things, which is as do all the characters. They all have like their own little quirks and bits, and they really are just like 
that is their thing, mm. pretty much. They, uh, they all serve, like, a very important purpose in Marlon and Dory's journey and in Nemo's journey as well. So, I don't know. Yeah, I thought they were good. I will say, I'm going to blow a little bit of my trivia here. I'm looping back to what I think of the animation. Pixar did, like, a test back in early 2002-2001 of the water graphics and the lighting system and everything. Mm. And it actually looked too realistic for a cartoon. So they had to dumb it down. So what we see is technically dumbed down water from what they could have done, which to me is even more insane. You know, like what we see is the the, the lighting design of like when light goes through like water and shows on like the ocean floor and stuff and all that is like fucking insane and the fish scales and stuff as well fucking it's gorgeous so to think that pixar in order to keep within the frame of like it being a cartoon and not making it too realistic they dumbed down their own animation (laughs) fuck me man like that's they are very 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 talented people you know like with very obviously powerful equipment I guess they were trying to avoid the Lion King 2019 effect. Where yes, yeah. You can't go too far with some of that stuff. It seemed weird they had to dump it the down. Because in, I think the water's surface was one of the ones that kind of put me off a yeah, little bit. Yeah, like got that, me. Mm. That felt a little, you know, uh, artificial. It looked a little bit bouncy, you know? Like, you could, like, if you put your hand on it, it would go mm. like, boo-boo-boo. <laughs> Which, like, you know... It's not like water simulation. It's still something we're working yes. on yeah. in 2021. In one day. Yeah, yeah. So, no, animation, like purely animation, I was really impressed by, in particular, Dory's animation. Yeah, just it's fish so swimming. so fucking expressive. Just, yeah. ex- just the expressions. Oh, yeah, true, yeah. Which they kind of, like, they gave the fish lips. Like, that's a little weird when you think yeah. about it. Yeah, <laughs> if you think about it too hard, it gets a little bit weird. But, that yeah, they are very expressive Mm. which is like it's fantastic because it really does enhance the performances Mm. albert brooks i genuinely forgot how good he is in in marlin he's fantastic he really does play variety of different facades that i don't think i ever quite understood as a child Mm. but now you know uh, the older i'm getting it's like wow parenting really is pretty fucking terrifying (laughs) i mean he's got a little bit of ptsd kind of bundled on in there as well but albert brooks does an absolutely superb job he's very captivating to to listen to um as is ellen degeneres which i was sitting there watching it with my partner and she was like i don't really care that much for ellen degeneres and i was like i, was like, I don't really care that much for her either but i am willing to separate ellen degeneres as a talk show host and a person like tv personality and everything mm. from her performance as dory yeah because this role was ri- literally written for her it was written for Ellen DeGeneres to play, and it shows. You know, it is just so unequivocally her. I can't imagine anyone else in the character. She's, yeah, just really captivating. And there was a moment where I didn't think that she would be able to pull off, like, a more emotional, deeper reach in the character, like, in her voice acting. And she does. There's a moment in the film where she gets, like, a genuinely really powerful emotional beat. And I was like, shit. Generous, not fucking, not bad. Mm. 
Really, really nice. So the scene, I think we're talking. I think we're talking about the yeah, scene. Yeah, but oh, as I'm, as I, I think it's the scene. Mm. Um, we'll talk about this after the spoilers because yes. it is quite late that's in bit, the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's third act, that's for sure. Um, what did you think of Nemo? I was, I wasn't really here for Nemo, but I feel like Nemo's lines kind of get like rinsed and repeated a lot. I guess, yeah. Um, he screams a lot. He does scream a lot. I mean, worrying little situation. It's such an interesting one to. I think both of us are very severely tainted by, maybe me more than you, it sounds, very tainted by our, like, childhood experience of the film. Mm. And and that, separating that is not the easiest thing in the world, I it's guess. It's difficult, yeah, yeah. I guess Nemo, I, I remember the, you know, Nemo's big kind of triumphant moment um, is also... Quite powerful. I remember that being so fucking tense and, like, scary as a kid. and. Mm. Mm. I think in general, the film has, as an adult, the tension is nowhere near as there. High as it is uh, when you're a kid, yeah. Mm. When it does get tense, because there are some, like, relatively, I don't know, scary, more, I would almost lean them towards more PG moments in the film where Mm. I'm like, wow, this would be, like, quite terrifying. 13 plus only, Douglas. Yeah, I I realised that the way that Disney and Pixar kind of handle those high-tension scenes is really quite fucking masterful when you've got a character like Dory there. Mm. They really utilise her in sequences where things get a bit fucking hairy to remove the tension almost immediately. The stakes are still high, you know, there's a sense of urgency and there is a problem. Mm. But having Dory there, it doesn't seem quite as tangible, I guess. Mm. I mean, I never got scared watching this film. The only thing that scared me was the fucking braces kit, but, like... I was fucking terrified of multiple things in this film, Douglas. Wow, so, really? So, la-dee-da, right? <laughs> we can't all be you, okay? As a child. As a child. Yes, as a child. Yes. <laughs> the tension is deflated a little when you know what happens. Yes. Wise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's... Yeah, I just... I really enjoy how Disney handle tension and... An animated film for kids, you still want to have tension, you want to have problems, and you want to have the protagonists overcome rather when it's the fucking ocean. There's some scary shit in the ocean, right? So it was always going to happen. But the way that they juggle it, mainly with Dory, sometimes with Marlon, he gets some good comic relief moments, is really, really fucking clever. Mm. Yeah, it's um, a good move. I mean... I'll go more into it in spoilers, but on that. The, sec- the secondary but- character is a comedy relief character. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Which helps a lot. Because, <laughs> mm. like, yeah, I, re- I remember, like, many scenes in that spooked me the fuck out. Maybe that's why the tense Nemo scene that I also don't want to talk about um, <laughs> spooked me out more because there's no Dory happening. Yeah. Yeah, there's no Dory there to, yeah, to back it up and bring some levity. Mm. Mm. General, just, let's, let's just do a little quick skim on the general plot thoughts. Yep. A plot structure and stuff just before you jump into spoilers, Douglas. Yep. Uh, I like it. I think it's a some moments and, like, I guess segments of the journey land better than others, definitely. Mm. But if I'm looking at it as, like, a whole package, there's much more surefire hits than there are flops, I think, mm. which is, I mean, that's just testament to early noughties, or I guess just noughties in general, that whole decade of Pixar is, you know, that's just what they were doing. It was just pretty much all killer, no filler. So, yeah. The, the thought going through my head was a short epic, Douglas. There is so much yeah. shit 
that goes on and all these like very pacing is fucking snappy right yeah like a lot of these tense scenes they they when i was a child they felt like lifetimes and (laughs) you look back at them and it's like jellyfish scene it's like five minutes five minutes yeah tops the shark scene is maybe more edging on 10 but there's a lot of like fluffing about and not much like yeah you know and and they'll they really jump between shit yeah so they they like it kept going and i was like i don't remember there being this much shit in there like a couple <laughs> of scenes happened and i was like oh i forgot i thought the film ended now <laughs> <laughs> especially there's the 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 kind of the final tense scene which i think definitely felt off to me but i think that's just because i don't remember it being there and i think it's like importance in character building is makes worthwhile let's needs you know to let's be get, there it's yeah. going to spoilers. Let's yeah, sure. I, I recommend Finding Nemo. Absolutely. Uh, you know, obviously, fucking, it's it's a Disney movie. You know, hmm. it's got you. Got to watch it. You got to watch it. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's maybe not as adult watchable as some of the other. Some of the other films. ones, absolutely. Mm. Like I think Monsters Inc. does a better job of that. I mm. think it is very dumb. It was, you know, it's. I watched it when I was eight. You know, it's very much focused on a very young child audience. So. There but is that, that being said, there is some morals in terms of like I can feel like if someone has a baby on the way or something like mm. that, there's a sense of paranoia and you know a sense of wanting to keep them safe at all costs. And I it's feel a film like for young parents and young children, which sort of yes, I, uh, you might understand, sort of tend to be in the same room at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> tend to be kind of around the same location. Mm. Well. Ripper, I recommend Finding Nemo. Jonathan. Yeah, I, I mean, obvi- obviously, no one's going to have a bad time watching this. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Unless you're I think I like Monsters, like- Inc. better if I've got to make a direct comparison. Yeah, but- absolutely. Yeah. In fact, mm. Monsters, Inc. is a uh, ripper of a time as well. Uh, let's get that. Uh- well, so I was thinking there's the Marlon Calls, the seahorse guy, <laughs> Pony Boy. And Pony I'm like, Boy, that's yeah. a Sophie song. That's a great Sophie song. So oh, I'm going to put true. in a tiny little clip of it. <laughs> This is post-recording, Jonathan. I'm, I'm editing the podcast right now. We didn't actually say this is a spoiler point. If it's the first time you listen to it, this is where the spoilers happen. Uh, it might not have made sense why we just had a loud noise instead of actually saying anything, but um, we fucked it up. We fucked it up. The spoilers past this point for 2003's Finding Nemo. Has to be quite short. Mm. That is a loud song. That is a mm-hmm. very grating song. <laughs> like, in my head, the film ends when there's, like, the scuffle and Nemo gets out. Yeah, there's actually like, out of the tuna thing, but there's, there's like, like yeah. another like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, 10, 15 minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's the whole bit with the, no, sorry, not the tuna thing. When he gets out of the aquarium, that's all oh. I remembered. Oh. And then there's like the fishing thing. I was like, oh my fucking God, I forgot about this. Yeah, I remember yeah. that one, that one, that felt really tense. The bit where. The swim down. The bit, bit where he's climbing up the filter is like. Oh very yeah, wriggling his way up. There's mm. like a very general. Um, uh, claustrophobia yeah yeah going on with that mm-hmm. but i think you know i think it's i think it's a cute little you know marlon learns to be less of a helicopter parent it's in yeah the yeah scene, the, so. the, yeah absolutely i think the tuna scene pulls is the like film together. so important because like mm. marlon does like his instinct like snaps back into like D- i need to fucking protect you like i'm i'm not gonna lose you again but mm. then he kind of, he's like, fuck, like, you totally can do this. I, I believe in you. I trust him that you can do this. And that's, mm. like, genuinely really, really powerful. I love that they didn't just have Marlon go like, oh, yeah, fuck, you're fine, whatever, go ahead. Like, he just, he's 
a man of habit and having lost his wife, like it's, you know, it makes sense. It checks out. <sighs> that opening is so heartbreaking. God, yeah. I fucking forgot how genuinely tense and mm. terrifying the opening is and gut-wrenching as well. Mm. Like it's, and it's, quick. Yeah. Fucking boom, you're in. Like it's, it was a real up kind of energy mm. in terms of like, but like, setting what up- if the opening 10 minutes of Up was actually three minutes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. In terms of, like, setting up given circumstance, like, yeah, Disney do it so fucking well. They are so, mm. so good at, like, first 10, like, 15 minutes, you understand your protagonists, the problem that they are facing, and you're invested enough into the characters within those 10 to 15 minutes, which is insane, to see where they're going. Mm. I liked the little bit of foreshadowing in Marlon's dialogue, Marlon's dialogue with Nemo when they're like swimming to school and Nemo's talking about how Sandy Plankton says that sea turtles are 100 years old and talking about how I'll go ask the sea turtles after I've talked to the sharks and that kind of a thing. I was like, ah, that's cute. I like that. (laughs) Well done. The callback. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. the, The foreshadowing is very, very sweet. Just everyone's delivery as well is insane. Like, Mr. Mm. Ray is so much fun. I forgot, like, how genuinely charming he is. It's like a... Because he's, like, he's such a science teacher. Like, a mm. real-life science yeah. teacher. Like, yeah, he is. there's a little bit of a kerfuffle with, uh, with Marlon and Nemo and the kids and everything. And then he, like, directs the rest of the class off to go look at something else. And then he comes in and he's like, hey, I'm a scientist. I can help with anything. What's going on? What's going on? Like, full, like, damage control mode. Like, that's that's such, like, a science teacher thing. Like, it's mm. so... He's so charming. He's great. I love Mr. Ray. I wish you had more time with him. Yeah, I want to be taught by Mr. Him. Ray. They really they really knock out all the different characters, like, a lot. They do. Yeah. Because mm. there's, like, generally, like, some new character in each kind of scene. I, I like that the school of fish... Is fucking still hilarious. They, like, <laughs> yeah. Make the giant sad face make fish. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when uh, Mars talking, it like comes down in the in the background, going. That shit still made me laugh. Yeah, it, that whole segment. Some animal is so pleased. With so that. fucking tickle pink with themselves. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, that whole scene was still very fun. Like in ter- again, in terms of like laughs a minute, it's still like it's pretty fucking funny. Like. Mm. Dialogue-wise, and uh, I guess the moments are, yeah, quite funny. I loved Marlon stumbling over and over trying to get the fucking mollusk and sea cucumber joke out. That <laughs> shit killed me. And watching everyone's faces, like, slowly deflate, like, <laughs> over time as he tries to get the fucking joke out is so good. Oh, the the scene I was talking about before. Yes. And so every yep. time I see this scene, I put my hands up in, like, little, like... The- scuba okay Chef's hands. kiss. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, So just imagine I've been doing that the whole time. Go back in your memory, mm-hmm. guys, and just imagine I've been doing that. The same. Um, fucking, the, the, the film didn't, like, affect me that emotionally until, like, you get to, like, Dory's monologue yeah. in, like, in the back it's, end of the film. Yeah, yeah, like, middle oh. of the third act. Yeah. No wonder they made a whole fucking film about um, her. Like, geez louise. She she has so much. Like, it's, mm. it's really fine. I didn't realize how much Finding Nemo was a tale of broken families. Like, it, mm. Dory is a broken family, and Mullen and Nemo are both a broken family. Mm. Found families, Douglas. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Finding families mm. within the people around you and ah. finding communities and things like that that can be your family when you don't have a family. Like, that shit's so fucking powerful and so relevant. Like, I feel like it's kind of wonderfully understated in 
everyone's performances, the general story. It's, yeah, it's really fucking masterful. And yeah, as you said, that monologue is like, it blew me away. I was, yeah, I, fuck, I've got some trivia on it, on the actual, the recording session behind Mm. Ellen doing that uh, piece of dialogue. But my God, yeah, it's so powerful. And Albert Brooks as well on the other end, like just completely dejected, like nihilistic is, Mm. oh God, it's amazing. So, so good. Something about Albert Brooks that I I kept thinking that Albert Brooks was the main antagonist of Iron Man, which I think is um, Jeff Bridges. Isn't he the main antagonist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, He's got yeah. the same energy, though. Every time Marlon opened his mouth, I just imagined it's like, yeah, he did in, in a, a cave, cave with a bucket of scraps, <laughs> which is not even connected. It's just in my head. Isn't Albert Brooks the bad guy in Drive? He is. That's right. He is. Yeah. So we have seen him before. That's He's weird. back. Yeah, that's, that's surreal. It's a, a very weird connection. I'd like to do some, like, Who's dumb- he in The Simpsons? Oh, fuck no. It's probably a minor character, I don't know. Hmm. Simpsons oh. kind of like that. It's it's, it's they just pick up voice actors intermittently. Mm. Well, there's been a lot, so most people have been on The Simpsons once or twice <laughs> at this fucking point. I've been on The Simpsons. I, yeah, no, I I, we both been on The Simpsons <laughs> as um, star as podcasters, a, Douglas. As like a Family Guy esque cutaway. <laughs> 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 yeah, it sounds like two white guys recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's never been done before. <laughs> You're telling um, me that's never been done before. <laughs> you should upset me. <laughs> um, uh, just, uh, I just wanted to showcase uh, my family guy. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> family guy, call us. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Seth McFarlane, you, you Seth? have my Seth. number. Seth. I've emailed it multiple times and you won't Seth. return my calls. Talk, um, talk to me, Seth. I like the Soundtrack film references. Douglas. No, film Fuck. references. Okay, film references. The uh, I'm talking about. We're going to talk about soundtrack after yeah, this. Yeah, we'll talk about the soundtrack after. This. Okay, we'll talk about the soundtrack after this. The I actually didn't pick up on any. So the, uh, Bruce busting open the thing is Brucey. It's the oh Shining. yeah. Sorry. Besides that one, um, there was another one. Shining references just bounce off me now because I'm so sick of them. <laughs> you see a door like crack open and yeah. you go, oh for fuck's sake! I roll. I think it's Fargo. forgivable in 2003. <laughs> but uh, what uh, Fargo was like the nineties, wasn't it? The, uh, yeah, Fargo was ninety six. Shining references like that explicit Shining references in twenty twenty one. I know. I I shut your film off. You've <laughs> you're done. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, there was another one that got me. Um, where I was like, that's a that's a thing. Uh, talk about the soundtrack. Fuck it, and I'll Fine, I'll eventually we'll figure it out. Douglas, you really interrupted my soundtrack conversation for this. Go ahead. I I think this is one of my favorite soundtracks so far that we've had. And I think- Yeah, me too. I think mm. that Pixar has got to just be hooked up with like some of the best in the composition Do, game. Like it, uh, they had, again, this is another trivia bit, but mm. uh, they had Danny Elfman to score the film first. And then he turned it down. So they asked Hans Zimmer and he turned it down. So then it came to, I think, Randy Newman, but then Randy Newman was like, nah, I'm going to let my cousin do it, Thomas Newman. So ah. there you go. That's how uh, Thomas Newman landed the gig. And he composed it with a, I think it's a 105 piece orchestra. Yeah. So I think, is that? A performance. Like, that's a, that's a very like orchestra. Pixar Disney thing, right? To have an orchestra for your soundtrack that's very like unapologetically orchestra. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, like. Like Hans Zimmer 
does orchestral stuff, but it's sort of hidden between like very sort of unique strings and yeah, kind soundscapes of some out there instruments and, and stuff. Mm, mm. Whereas this is like very obvious. We got a lot of Straight violins. We got fucking, a fucking yeah, bunch of trombones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking timpani, like it's it's all happening. Yep. yep, absolutely. But it worked out for Thomas Thomas Newman clearly because he was how many he's done everything. So Randy New- Randy Newman was always the one who got called on to compose for Pixar films, but then mm. Thomas Newman's first one was Finding Nemo. And oh, we've seen him before in The Help, Douglas. Yeah, and I think that soundtrack was not too bad as well. Yeah, Sorry. I didn't mind. Yeah, I Sorry. didn't mind The Help. And yeah, since then he's just kind of fart assed around doing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, he did mm. 1917. I really liked the soundtrack for 1917. So that you know, fucking no wonder. He did American Beauty, which is also on the 250, uh, the, the, mm-hmm. the list. So we'll eventually be getting to that. He did Spectre. Yeah, yep. he's done Skyfall. Fucking he's he did done Spectre him. and Skyfall. That's the one. Bunch of great stuff. He did not do Cinerale, but you're forgiven. <laughs> this time, Thomas. This time. Mister, you're, you're let off the hook for now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, yeah. I, I, unapologetically orchestral, which I think is, you know, it's on a brand of Disney especially, but I think they very much like get away with it. Absolutely. And it, it, it definitely fits into, as you said, this is kind of like a little mini epic and mm. it really complements the, the vastness sometimes of mm. their, their landscapes that Pixar create. With and the ocean, Douglas. The ocean. The vast, vast ocean. The vast, vast ocean. Yeah, so I, I, I was just, we, we, um, I had dinner with my partner afterwards and we put Finding Nemo soundtrack on and I was just like, it's fucking good. It's so good. fucking good. Yeah. Holy shit. I was, I was just waiting for the credits for fucking somewhere. Yeah. That shit. Mm, I used to love that as a kid. Robbie Williams isn't like the, like the, there's like the de facto version of Beyond the Sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget but who it is. Bobby Darren. I'm pretty sure it's uh, the Bobby, cover, right? Bobby Darren. Bobby, Bobby Darren. 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 Bob, Bobby Darren. Oh, Kevin Spacey did one. <laughs> Oof. Okay. Let's not talk about that one. Hey, mm. Yeah, Bobby. I, I, anyway, no, I'm not going to talk about fucking Beyond the Sea. I really like that. I, I that's love one that of my favorite song. songs. It's, it's one yeah. of my favorite songs of all time. That's Amazing jazz incredible. piece. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, great soundtrack, which, yes. which elevates it. Really does. Yeah, really elevates all of the... Yeah, the ocean scape. Mm. Do you have any more film references, Douglas? I completely forgot that that was what I was doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why didn't I fucking write it down? Am I, like, stupid? I mean, I'm looking at the... IMDb has a whole fucking connections page, but, like, some of them are so, like, loose weave that, like, it's yeah, not like, even... okay, Yeah, sure. I'm like, come on, <laughs> like, it's a little bit extra. It says, get this, Finding Nemo, kind of like Memento, because Dory has the same short-term memory problem as Memento's main character. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) No. Okay, no, that doesn't count. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's so bad. It's shit like that. I don't know. There was another one beyond The Shining. There was another one where I was like, ah, that's a reference to something, but I can't believe I didn't fucking write it down. I'm high. That's too bad, Douglas. I liked the uh, half-full, half-empty gag in The Whale. That was fun. I missed that. Where, as the whale is tipping the water into the back of his throat, mm. and then Marlon's looking around, he's like, it's already half-empty! And then Dory's like, oh, I think it's half-full, actually. <laughs> <laughs> there are some crackers that come out of Dory yeah, like that. Yeah. Very subtle. Very, very nice. They're in the fog, and she's like, what is it with men and asking directions? <laughs> yeah, oh, with the whale. It's with the whale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, a, what is it with men and asking directions? Yeah, yeah. 
It's a classic. So many quotable lines come out of Dory. And fucking uh, Crush, the the sea turtles. Oh. I loved them. I, I remember loving them as a kid. And then when they came, like, when I watched it, I was just like, ah, oh, man, they're so infectious. <laughs> Crush is actually voiced by the director, Andrew Stanton. It is. Yeah, which is great. Which is awesome. And he allegedly did the voice for Crush in the rough cut mm. as like just like a kind of a placeholder kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. And okay. then it was screened in-house and then everyone was like, it's so fucking good. You have to voice him. And then it was like, okay. So he recorded all of his lines lying down on the couch in his office. that's so fucking good (laughs) uh such a fucking classic well douglas i think we gotta i think we want to put a pin in this just because Mm. you're on a you're on a deadline you're on a schedule i am on a a, a bit of so let's let's not let's not push it let's keep this under an hour baby yeah let's um uh well uh, we've both said it we both said it we recommend this film absolutely before trivia so we don't have to say it again let's go to trivia let's go to trivia zone Let's get the fuck out of here. Not really, because it's trivia time. Let's <laughs> go um, fuck out of critique time and into trivia town. Into trivia town. Mm. The film is dedicated to the memory of Glenn McQueen, who was a Pixar animator uh, who I believe worked at Pixar from like 1990, early 1990s until his death in 2002. And he would later be honored as the namesake of Lightning McQueen in Cars. Oh. That's where the, the McQueen comes from, is from oh. Glenn McQueen. Yeah. Yeah, really nice. Good that his name worked out like that, because that's an excellent name for that character. Absolutely. Cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's, uh, it's a thing with Pixar characters, isn't it? Is once they're named something, and you just that's just what they are. Like, you couldn't even try and imagine another <laughs> name for them. Except for maybe Nemo, fucking Fabio, and Elmo kind of got me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Director Andrew Stanton originally planned to reveal the fate of Marlon's wife gradually through flashbacks seen periodically as the story unfolded. After a few early in-house screenings, he found that Marlon came off as too much of a worrywart and decided to reveal the entire backstory up front, thus making Marlon more appealing by establishing the reason for his overprotectiveness. This idea would eventually be used in the film's sequel, Finding Dory, where Dory starts to have flashbacks about her family and starts to remember who she is. Which, I, I'm not the biggest fan of flashbacks, personally like throughout a film i would much rather do it how this film does it and like just give all that shit right at the outset so then you're just like okay i get it i don't know i don't think i have a hard opinion on it either way i think this is effective the way they did it here i guess it depends from scene to scene film to film yeah haven't really sat down and had a little chin scratch about flashbacks douglas (laughs) sorry chin scratch um that was me scratching my chin. Mm. Andrew Stanton pitched his idea and story to Pixar head John Lasseter in an hour-long session using elaborate visual aids and character voices. At the end of it, an exhausted Stanton asked Lasseter what he thought, to which Lasseter replied, quote, You had me at fish. <laughs> <laughs> this is the early days of earlier days of Pixar where they still had like plenty of things to fresh kind of ideas work with. And, and yeah. This is this was pre-car uh, sorry, pre-planes. Yes. Cars was a fun idea. Cars, planes, cars was, yeah, Cars was alright. Planes was something else, I don't know. Mm, 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 mm. Did Cars deserve three sequels? That's the question I ask myself a lot. It has three? It's got three, Jonathan. Uh, cars 2 is like, I, they, oh, what was it? Cars 2 is the film that like Pixar wants you to forget about. Yes, the, yeah. Cars 2 is horrendous. There's a book on the history of... 
Pixar and it goes through all the films in great detail and Cast 2 is not in it. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Cast 3, though! <laughs> What's Cast 3 about? Sorry, I'm going to look this up. You keep, you keep chatting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you covered. Nemo's Father Marlon was originally voiced by William H. Macy, who we had ah. in Fargo. He's the lead yeah. actor in Fargo. According to James B. Stewart's book, Disney War, it was after seeing an early cut of the film with Macy's voice that then-Disney CEO Michael Eisner infamously told his board of directors, quote, This will be a reality check for those guys. It's okay, but nowhere near as good as their previous films. Of course, they think it's great. Trust me, it's not. End quote. Fucking rough for starters. I don't know, man. <laughs> Director Andrew Stanton recast the role of Marlon with Albert Brooks, and the film went on to get some of Pixar's best reviews ever and become the highest grossing animated film of all time. Even worse for Eisner, Disney's distribution contract with Pixar was close to expiring at this time, and thus he was facing a difficult position of trying to renew it with Pixar's owner at the time, Steve fucking Jobs, who I didn't even realize was a thing until like oh today. I didn't realize that Steve yeah. Jobs had shares at like a fucking. Obviously a shareholder enough to be the owner of Pixar. That fucks with me. Anyway, Steve Jobs had already loathed Eisner before that insult. That situation of Disney in danger of losing the most consistently successful producer of films because of Eisner's denigration? I'm just going to cut here so it sounds like you got it right the first time. (laughs) But I'm going to keep my comment in. Yeah. Proved to be one of the numerous complaints about him to finally prompt the shareholders to fire him. So they fired... uh, yeah, Michael Eisner, because he's obviously absolute fucking prick. And I really want to read that book. That sounds like a really interesting book, uh, Disney War. Hmm. Um, it would be interesting to find out more about the, uh, yeah, the innards of Disney at that time. As of September of 2015, Finding Nemo is the best-selling DVD of all time in the world with 41 million copies sold. Damn. Wait, you got a VHS though? Uh, I think we got the VHS and a DVD. We loved it that That's much. the trick. When you, get, when you get, like, kids that are, like, well into something back then, you, yeah. you would use VHSs until they died. Exactly. And they would, yeah, and they yeah. would die catastrophically. Pretty fucking fast as well. Mm. Like, we, we mm. watched it a lot. Yeah. Uh, in order for it to sound like Nigel had Marlon and Dory in his mouth, voice actor Jeffrey Rush held onto his tongue as he said his lines. Classic <laughs> trick. I love that. It's, mm. oh, bellissimo. Jeffrey, well done. Uh, Crush's son, Squirt, is voiced by Nicholas Bird, the young son of fellow Pixar director Brad Bird. Director oh. Andrew Stanton was inspired to cast Nicholas when Brad was showing home movies around the Pixar offices. <laughs> yeah. Very cute. Rusty McAllister in The Incredibles. Wait, is that the kid who's like, I'm waiting for something incredible, like, amazing, I guess, or is that something else? Brad, uh, wait a minute. Nicholas Bird. Uh, Rusty, Rusty McAllister. Rusty McAllister. Yeah, yeah the kid on the trike. <laughs> oh my so good. god, that's sick. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> wow, Dude, he's like our age now. He was born in '94. Wow, fucking hell, that's weird to think about. Anyway, filmmakers were worried that comedian Ellen DeGeneres would not be able to perform the dramatic scene where Dory begs Marlon not to leave. So, at the end of a day of recording other scenes, they asked her to record a trial reading of the scene with the intention that she go home with a recording of it to work on with her actual performance. DeGeneres agreed, but her trial reading was so heartfelt and emotional that, apart from a few small edits, this is what was used in the final cut of the film. I think if you're going to do something like that, doing it, like, at the end of a day of recording when you're, like, a bit at, uh, like, the end of your rope you, would... Oh, I, like, 
coming from an actor's like POV, you do your best acting when you are either incredibly well slept or so bat fuck crazy tired you're going insane. Like it's mm. though it's never if you're like no, I'm kind of like well slept but also not. You it's it's poo poo. It's always one end of the spectrum. It's insane. Uh, the old series trademark from Pixar, when Gil is thinking ahead about how he and the fish will escape as the camera pans toward and out the window, the Pizza Planet truck from Toy Story can be seen <laughs> on the outside. This is the first film where the truck has a distinctive appearance being a right-handed vehicle driving on the left side of the road, since it is in Sydney, Australia. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> mm, mm. Classic, though, Pixar shenanigan. Mm. There was also a Buzz Lightyear in like the toys, the the yeah, the toy chest uh, yeah, yeah, in the waiting yeah. room, yeah, yeah, the that's a classic, ones. and the um, the ball as well. Very masturbatory Pixar these days. They are, they? yeah, yeah, mm. they really do love circle jerking it over their own properties. Mm. Demand for tropical fish exploded right after the film's release. <laughs> no fucking oh. wonder, especially for yeah, you're gonna like this one, especially for clownfish and blue tang, the main character's species, and just like Dala. Many new pet buyers had no idea how to take care of their pets and ended up killing them. It was later revealed that saltwater tropical fish need a 30-gallon aquarium with carefully controlled salinity levels as anything less will kill them. The rise in demand took fish importers by surprise and the population of clownfish dropped by 75% in some areas. Although this isn't the first time something like this has happened, Finding Nemo was different because this time the whole premise of the movie was freeing the animal from being (laughs) a pet. Then again... Pet owners who took that premise to heart did not respond much better. Some released their venomous fish into the ocean, ruining Florida's ecological balance. Others flushed fish down the toilet to free them, and these fish died before even reaching the sewers. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> Fucking, how dumb. I'm, I don't know. It's like, it's like the, actually, we're getting a very modern one with this, with Squid Game, where it's like... Yeah, true. Where it's like the message, it's, it's very objectively an anti-capitalist message and then it's just being fucking merchandised to hell absolutely uh i mean i'm fucking i'm one to talk i I, i've ordered a squid game hoodie so Mm, douglas Mm. no 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 anyway yeah it's a cool thing people missing the message for the yeah can't see the the visual trees. yeah for wanting Mm. to be a fan is Mm. Yeah. yeah yeah it's rough Pixar's characters are often planned years in advance. Nemo first appeared as a stuffed toy on a couch in Boo's room in Monsters, Inc. Uh, This movie introduces the main characters of post-2003 Pixar films. A boy in the dentist's office is reading a Mr. Incredible comic book, Anticipating the Incredibles, which came out a fucking year after Finding Nemo, by the way. God. Uh, And then Luigi the car is driving by the dentist's office, Anticipating Cars. (laughs) That's great. I assume they continue to in do like that. most every Pixar film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They anticipate uh, the coming Pixar films by sliding in little references of the like to come characters. That's really cool because like people aren't going to pick them until after the fact. Absolutely, How wonderful is that? yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Afraid that kids would try releasing their pet fish by flushing them down a drain, a company that manufactures equipment used by water filtration and sewage treatment plants released a warning the Thursday after the film came out, saying that even though drains do eventually reach the ocean, before it got there, the water would go through equipment, which breaks down solids, and went on to say that in real life, the movie would more appropriately be called Grinding Nemo. Uh, I hate I think, that. I think that's the best fucking punchline from Oof. from a from a company ever. That's so mm. good. Mm. 
In the tank gang in the dentist's office, the germophobic purple and yellow fish is the only one never mentioned by name. His name was later revealed to be Gurgle. Oh, oh you're I right. I never knew that. Yeah, mm. everyone else gets a name. There's fucking Bubbles, there's uh, Deb and Flo, which uh, Ebb and Flo. Deb and Flo. Yeah. Mm. Bloat. Um, hmm? Bloat, Bloat, yes. Yeah, I loved Bloat this time around. Bloat was really fun. Uh, and just briefly, uh, this is also one of the first Pixar films to show blood, um, which is oh, yeah. interesting. Uh, when um, Marlon and Dory are fighting over the mask and then it whacks into Dory's face and then the mm-hmm. little blood goes into Bruce's eyes. Only... Fucking Barry Humphreys is superb as Bruce. I love Barry Humphreys. You know what? I'm thinking about it more. I feel like originally they tried to use American actors and do, and that was taken poorly. Not cutting and it? Then yeah. I, keep in mind, this is from, this is a memory from the special features of Finding Nemo, which I probably watched 15 fucking years ago. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> that mm. may explain why I may have fucked it uh, up. Grain of salt, yeah. Mm. Animators studied dogs' facial expressions, paying particular attention to the eyes to animate the expression of the fish, mm. which checks out because they're like kind of shimmery. Like, yeah. Uh, mm, uh, makes sense. And though never mentioned in the film, it is revealed by the directors in the commentary that Crush and his crew of thrill seeking turtles are heading for Hawaii. And also mentioned in the commentary is. That the young turtles' shells are modelled after Hawaiian shirts. Oh, okay. That's yeah, the okay. best. I did not pick that, but that is that. In hindsight, yes. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. And <laughs> final bit of trivia, which I adore. Per the DVD extras, Albert Brooks spent an entire day in the recording studio improvising badly mangled versions of the anemone joke. No two tellings were fumbled in the same way, and he had the recording <laughs> technicians in stitches for the duration. <laughs> <laughs> that is excellent. That's it's so good. so good. I could listen to Albert Brooks do that for a fucking eternity. It's like <laughs> the the fum- the way he fumbles it makes it so fucking funny. Anyway, yeah, that's all I got. That's all you got. That's okay, Ooh. Douglas. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, if you enjoyed this episode of the Two Five O podcast, we put episodes out every week, uh, every Tuesday, twelve a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, so midnight's in Australia, which comes to Monday afternoons in Europe and Monday mornings in America. If you want to contact us directly, you can email us at mail at 250.com or check out our Instagram at 250pod, T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H-P-O-D, T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H-P-O-D. Douglas, where can people go if they want uh, the central hub of 250? Uh, the bloody place you want to go is you open your favorite web browser and you type in www.250.com. That's... Uh, you've got the link to the Instagram, a link to our list of the films that we took in the snapshot back in January 2020, as well as... What else is there? What did you say? Instagram? It's Instagram, yeah, podcast, list. and list. Oh, I, yeah, and listening to the podcast. But if you're really listening to it, then who the fuck... What? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good place to, I don't know, share it with your friends. If yeah, you have those, sure. Share it with your mum. Yeah. Douglas and I both use Letterboxd, which is a film tracking and reviewing website that we're great big fans of. My account is Upa, that's U-U-U-P-A-H, and Douglas. Mine is Ienzo Knight, that's I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T, Ienzo Knight. You can whack in either 250 Ienzo Knight or Upa into the Letterboxd search engine and you will find us. We write written reviews on our profiles of everything that we've watched here on the 250 as well as anything else that we've watched in our spare time in terms of what I've been watching in my spare time. I watched Suspiria on oh, Halloween. Oh, yes, yes, I saw that. I was so excited that you... That, 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 and yeah. I was like, 
You, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I, ah, uh, man, I was like, I really wanted to watch a horror for Halloween. And mm. I was like, if I'm going to watch any horror, it's fucking, it's got to be Suspiria. Like, <sighs> I just, it just. The, the new Suspiria, the 2018 yes, one. 2018 Suspiria. It just seems so up my alley in terms of, like, the story, the the way that it's presented. Like, it just, it all seems so up my alley. And what do you fucking know it is? I give it, like, it's literally flawless in my mind. Mm. Like, it's so ingeniously fucking creative in terms of like not just as a horror film but like from a choreographic standpoint and movement standpoint (laughs) it's insane like i just i'm in awe of uh mr man who is it damien chalet uh his ingenuity with his choreography is mind-blowing and i want to watch it and look at how he kind of composed it all because i mean without giving spoilers it ties into some very uh integral things throughout the throughout the course of the uh the film cinematography is gorgeous tilda swinton is as uh camouflaged as ever mm. in she plays three roles in this film yep yep in just because she can <laughs> just fucking she's so versatile um and dakota jackson doing two years of ballet training in preparation for the role fucking like it doesn't it just doesn't get any better than that like the, every single person that was cast in this film was taking it so so seriously, and I fuck it, the director as well, Luca Guadagnino, was also taking it very seriously. Obviously, in terms of mm. like portraying dancers correctly, ensuring that the script and the lingo that they talk in, in terms of talking about movement, is all correct, and that it doesn't, you know, like a dancer watches it and they go, "I don't fucking know if like we don't talk like that." <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you bet your ass, fucking dancers would be on that shit in seconds if the if it was done incorrectly. So, mm. nah, it's just it's superb. It's a ballet contemporary horror, and I wouldn't want it any other way. It's the best. I, I knew you'd love that. I'm so glad yeah. you got around to watching that. It was fantastic. Um, I haven't that, seen anything. How's that, how that closing? Closing that like scene near the end with the demon. How's that? What a scene. <laughs> It's it was a lot. A lot. Uh, I, a lot. I, I watched it, and then I watched Finding Nemo, like, right after it. So it was, yeah. like, a perfect palate cleanser, honestly. I think I may... I hope I warned you on that one, because I've you, seen no, that no, 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 scene. No, 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 It's... Uh, I went to it completely dry, so I... Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew nothing. And it's it's very... The film is very placid. Like, it's just mm. very kind of... You, it's simmering. And then mm. it makes a very harsh left turn at a certain point in the film. And it's it's good because it does kind of set the bar for if you can tolerate this, then you'll be fine. Yeah. I think I also know what you're talking about there as well. Yeah. I haven't yeah. watched the film, watched a lot of reviews on it, which is <laughs> how I prefer to... Yes, it is quite confronting and yeah. <laughs> gen- like genuinely quite horrific. Like it's it like not so much that I like I'm I can't look at like the screen or whatever, but like it just it made me kind of queasy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is great, because, like, the special effects team, like, the special makeup, like, effects team and everything are fucking so, so good. Mm. Practical effects are insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll watch some more reviews of it. <laughs> I will not watch it. <laughs> so- we watched for Halloween. Fucking, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> oh, that film. <laughs> not very good. Oh, baby. And the end, the ending made me the very... Like the, the 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 epilogue made me laugh so hard I fell off a couch, <laughs> but not in like a laughing with the film way. Yes, I'm laughing yeah. at the film. How horrendous it is! Uh-huh. 
So I don't recommend that you watch that one. That's no, it's not a good film. I, I then watched on a whim last night, Dead Leaves, which is directed by Hiroyuki Amaishi, Amaishi, who is one of the one of the guys who headed up Studio Trigger. It's a animated film. It's only an hour long, which is good for me. It's that sweet and spot. Very. It's just like vulgar and like silly, and it was it was. It's it's a lot of fun. It's no masterpiece, but it is a. It was a nice change from yeah. after Snakes on a Plane to see something. It's 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 a film that was very much headed up by animators. You know, like the totally. plot is nonsensical yep. and but the animation is stellar. The animation is kind of front and center. I was thinking of the Dead Leaves. It sounds like Wild Strawberries, right? Mm. <laughs> it sounds like it uh, could be a lot more than it is. But has it got that? Um... Like Ren and Stimpy kind of yeah. humor. Like, has it got that like Adult Swim, Cartoon Network, Young Adult, Late Night, that kind of humor? Is the male lead in the film just like farts like five or six times in the film for no good reason? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, fucking stupid. It's very slapstick. But in like a swim. very like anime way, you know, as yeah. opposed to like Ren Stimpy, which is a bit more Western cartoon. Yeah. No, it was good. It was a good, good, good time. Not serious. Very yes. Good. Yeah. A good, uh, also would be a good palate cleanser to Suspiria, which is definitely how I'm <laughs> going to benchmark all of the feel good films from now on is. <laughs> would I watch this after Suspiria? Is it a good chaser to Suspiria? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finding Nemo. Absolutely, a perfect chaser to Suspiria. Mm. I, I wanted to check the mail, uh, our mail clients down. So, fuck Ripper. those. Who if knows? You wanted to talk to us? I Hope apologize. Sorry about it. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, we're gonna get out of here. Douglas has yeah, shit to do. Douglas is yeah, a little got, busy bee. I got places to be. So, fucking uh, well. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. And uh, as always, we will see you next time. Real soon. Yeah, real Bye. soon. Fuck, that's... God damn it. That's what I used to say. Shit. No, that's what I've always said, Douglas. Okay? Oh, really? Um, I swear I used to say that too. Don't you fucking dare okay. take my bit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll see you real soon. Totally gnarly, dude. <laughs> like... You watch Surf's Up. Have you watched the film Surf's Up? But, oh, my God. Dude, I you can't... I cannot explain the visceral hunger I had to watch Shark Tale after I watched this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, bye. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. Get out of here.